It is Holy Week, my friends, and today as we're recording, it is Ash Wednesday. This week is a huge significance in the church and the Christian faith. And whether you were saved yesterday or born on a church pew 30 years ago, this week matters. I'm so excited to dig in today because we are going to talk about a few, just a few of the ways that Jesus fulfilled prophecy and why that's important. He did so many things in his short time here on earth, the miracles, the healings, the flipping tables, all the things, and they are so good. But today we're just going to talk about a few ways that he fulfilled prophecy, why it's important for us to know and what that means for us as believers. Let's do it. Hey friend, welcome to the Abundant Woman Collective podcast. Do you want to grow in your faith and have an intimate relationship with Jesus? Do you wake up with big ambitious goals only to be overwhelmed and frustrated when you're way too busy and forgot to prioritize your time with him again? Hey, I'm Sam and I too was someone who craved a deeper relationship but was too busy to make it happen. I felt overwhelmed at trying to fit him in and wished I could be confident in my faith and identity. I wanted to read the Bible and actually understand what I was reading but I kept telling myself that I didn't have the time, the know-how, or the discipline or tools to make it happen until I found a little secret to get rid of the Christian checklist. In this podcast, you will find biblical truth, hope-filled conversations with women who are right where you are, and all of the practical tools to implement so that you will be able to deepen your relationship with Jesus. So grab your coffee, Bible and pen, and let's dig in. When God first created the world, it was perfect. Perfect, perfect. It was perfect. We were perfect. It was all good. And then the fall happened. But God, my two favorite words, friends, but God, remember that, in his loving mercy created a plan to bring about redemption. He had created a plan to bring redemption through Christ to all of us, to all of those who would choose to believe and follow after him. In 1 Peter 1, 19 and 20, he paid for you with the precious lifeblood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. God chose him for this purpose long before the world began. But now in these final days, he was sent to the earth for all to see. And he did this for you. He did it for you. He did it for me. God knew we would need a savior. He knew we would need to be set free. And he created the roadmap. The Old Testament is the first 39 books of the Bible. These are the books I feel like that people (laughs) give a lot of hate towards, not hate, but some shade, right? Because they're like, ah, they're not like the funnest to read. However, they are. They're literally like a rated R movie. Some of the stuff you guys like, no, Song of Solomon, hello, read some of them because they're not appropriate, but they're appropriate because they're in the Bible. (laughs) But Anyways, in these 39 books, these all took place before Jesus was born, hundreds of years before he was even here on this earth. God used prophets to share over 300 prophecies that Jesus would fulfill through his life, death, and resurrection. Over 300! That's crazy. We're not going to get into 300, obviously, but we are going to go into a few. But prophecy, you probably hear this a ton, and it just simply means a message from God or a prediction of the faculty function or practice of prophesying. To prophesy is the action of doing prophecy, but we're just talking about prophecies today. 
in First Peter, Second Peter, excuse me, one twenty one. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Prophecy gets a lot of shade as well. It's a gift. I have it. Several people I know have it. And it's incredible. However, it is also one of those gifts that is widely abused. True prophecy comes directly from God and it's carried along by the Holy Spirit. So I want you to know that first, just in case you have a little church hurt, trauma experience with that, that you don't love, know that true prophecy is from God and it's brought to you by the Holy Spirit, period. It is biblical. It is practical today. And we use it and speak and act out of these gifts today. Okay. That's a freebie. But (laughs) Bible scholars have concluded from much research that hundreds of years before Jesus was even born, We said more than 300 prophecies were recorded to tell of his coming, his life, his journey here on the earth and journey to the cross, and of course, of his powerful resurrection. He made a way by sending his one and only son so that we could receive forgiveness and find new life and hope through Jesus Christ, which is what we celebrate this week, right? But why is prophecy being fulfilled so important? Like, Sam, why does this even matter to me? Well, a few reasons. One, if we're Christians, then what we believe is from the Bible. We believe that the Bible is true, completely holy, finished, and true, right? That means that we can also believe these prophecies of what has happened. But then also, did you know that there's prophecies to come that are not fulfilled? Jesus fulfilled a whole bunch of them. But there's some that have not been fulfilled yet because he has not come back for his bride. Okay? So if we believe the Bible is true, we believe that these prophecies took place. That's so important. But we also have to believe that there's more to come. One. Two, prophecy also like it proves the integrity of the scriptures. In the Old Testament, people were waiting for the coming Messiah. That was Jesus. He looked different than what they thought, (laughs) but he fulfilled every single detail, every single detail of every single prophecy that they were told about hundreds of years earlier. It is literally impossible for one person to fulfill a few, let alone every prophecy. This alone is solid evidence of integrity. Also, the past few weeks, We have talked about how the enemy likes to use doubt and deception as one of his favorite tactics, which is so lame because we are well caught on to his schemes by now, right? But he also uses that for scripture. Knowing scripture, including knowing the prophecies, help us to shield ourselves from false teachings and deceptions from the enemy. Ecclesiastes says there's no new teaching under the sun. Reading prophecy about the future protects us from what the enemy will definitely try to destroy and sow in doubt, right? He uses doubt. He will try and use, he knows scripture too. You guys know that, right? Like he knows scripture. So he will try and twist or use people to twist and, and destruct and reconstruct or whatever scripture. But because we have it, because we know it's true, because we know that the prophecies have been fulfilled and what's to come, we don't have to fall into those dirty little tricks anymore. So cool, right? Praise God. Okay, let's dig in. I want you guys, if you're driving, that's great. Listen again later. 
Um, but, or walking or whatever, running, good for you. I'm so excited that you run. I do not. But anyways, so, but if you're not, then sit down, sit down with a pen and paper. I'm going to say quite a bit of scripture today, but I want you to go back and read this for yourself. And if you're just listening, that's fine. You can re-record or re-listen to it a little bit later and do this. Okay. Let's dig in. The first one we actually talked about during Christmas time. This is kind of a two for one special that we're going to do, but this is one because it's so cool that even from his birth, Jesus was fulfilling prophecy. Even from his inception, conception, <laughs> he was fulfilling prophecy. In the Old Testament, in Isaiah seven fourteen, we see, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and we will call him Emmanuel. There's two, that's a two for one, right? Do you see it? Therefore, the Lord himself, three for one, really, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin, Mary was the virgin, will conceive, give birth to a son. He, she gave birth to a son and she named him Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Isn't that so cool? And so we see that in Old Testament. And then if we flip over to Matthew, we see it in New Testament. In Matthew 1, 22, verses 1, the Matthew 1, verses 22 and 23, it says, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Like, guys, I'm totally geeking out over here because isn't that so cool? Like, how did they even know that? How did they know? How did they know that this was going to happen? From the prophecy. Isaiah was a prophet. This was a prophecy that was fulfilled, and Jesus fulfilled it perfectly. We know that we serve an all-knowing God, a sovereign God, a holy God, but a God that knows everything. I want you to take a second and rejoice in that because he is that powerful. He fulfills prophecy. He knows everything. So take that to your own life. He knows whatever you're going through. He also knows that whatever he's going to break you out of is for his goodness. So good. The prophecy of the virgin birth and the naming of her son, Jesus, Emmanuel, in Isaiah 7, 14, is fulfilled through the virgin birth of Mary and Jesus being Emmanuel, God with us. Here's another one surrounding his birth. In the Old Testament, in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, it says, But you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me, one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. In the New Testament, we see in Matthew chapter 2, verses 5, it says in Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. And then they read the prophet, I mean the, the prophecy. Christ's birth in Bethlehem of Judah fulfills the prophecy that was spoken in Micah, which says a ruler will come from Bethlehem and the land of Judah to save the people of Israel. Y'all, come on, get excited, get juiced, because I'm so juiced about this. Do you all remember when Jesus, where Jesus was born? Do you remember all of the circumstances surrounding his birth? Remember, they weren't in Bethlehem. They had to travel back to Bethlehem. Like it wasn't a home birth at home. It was a home birth in a manger, (laughs) in a stall in nasty circumstances. And they were running and fleeing and all of these things were happening. But isn't it so cool that God used all of that for his good and his glory? Don't you think God knew what was happening and what would happen? Or maybe this is a reminder for you, friend, who feels like you're making a wrong turn or that thing's just coming at you 
or this isn't how you pictured it. Whatever this is, it's not how you imagined it to be. Maybe you imagined it to be much easier, but maybe it's because God sees the big picture and has a better plan for you, right? So cool. Okay, two, prophecies were even spoken about like where he would come from. So in the Old Testament, it says uh, that the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until tribute comes to him. And to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. And we see this fulfilled in New Testament. In Luke, it does the whole genealogy of Jesus. And it says, son of Perez, the son of Judah. And then it goes, keeps going until you hit Jesus. And Hebrews, it says, for it is evident that our Lord was descended from Judah. And in connection with that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. Isn't that so cool? I love his family tree. I know during Christmas time, we'll read through it. But we usually like skip that first page because it's just a bunch of people's names. But those names are so important or it wouldn't be in the Bible. So much happened that are not included in the Bible, right? Every single thing that Jesus did is not included in the Bible or there would be so many more books. If it's written in the Bible, it's important. So those names are important. And if you learn about some of the story about some of those people, dude, they're hot messes. They are not great people, some of them. They are all the things, right? Listen to some of the Advent series. We go through some of that. But yet the Son of God, our redemption story came from that lineology. Not only did he fulfill prophecy, which is what we're talking about, but I love that he also comes from a bunch of hot messes. And uh, let's see, number three, John the Baptist is preparing the way. Did you know that him doing all the things he did and pointing to Jesus was actually prophecy? We see that in Malachi. It says, I will send my messenger. He will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. That's in Malachi 3.1. And then Isaiah 43, it also talks about John. And says, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Who does this sound like? One of our favorite Bible BFs, our Bible boyfriends, is John. They even prophesied to the detail that he would be a wild man. And we know that scripture tells us that John was wild. His clothes were made of camel's hair. Y'all, I can't even with that. And he had a leather belt around his waist. And then his food was locust and wild honey. I mean, gross, but come on. In the New Testament, so that was the Old Testament. In the New Testament, we see John three different times. Well, we see him a lot, but three different times it talks about John fulfilling the prophecy. In Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 to 3. In Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. And in Luke chapter 3, verses 4 through 6. In Matthew, it says, In those days John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who has spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice. He's saying, I'm this, I'm this person, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord and make straight paths for him. Prophecy, even that John filled to prepare the way for Jesus Christ. Number four, in his healings and in his actions. In Isaiah chapter 42, verses one through four, it talks about the servant of the Lord. And he says, here's my servant whom I uphold. My chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. Sound familiar? He will not shout or cry out. No, he will not raise his voice in the streets. 
A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. In his teaching, the people will put their hope. Y'all, come on. Matthew twelve fifteen to 21. It says this, God's chosen servant. Aware of this, Jesus withdrew from that place. A large crowd followed him, and he healed all who were ill. He warned them not to tell others about him. This was to fulfill what the prophet Isaiah had spoken. And then it goes into what he had spoken. Jesus' healings fulfill the prophecy of Isaiah 42, which prophesies the Messiah whose mission is to restore and bring justice to the nations. Amen. Guys, can you, I'm so thankful for all of this, but that he did it exactly like what was prophesied so that the people could believe in him so that we could read back, read back and confirm this. It's just so good. And I am so Excited that he was this person. He'll not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the street. He had his spirit on him. Bring justice to the nations. God, that's our Jesus. He did it for us. We're going to keep going. You staying with me? Let's do it, guys. How you doing? Okay. Number five. From the Old Testament to the cross. In the Old Testament, one of the most familiar prophecies about Jesus is in Isaiah 53. Read the entire chapter because it's so good, but we're not going to read it here, but read it. But in verse four, it says that the suffering servant took up our pain and bore our suffering. In the New Testament, we see that this is exactly what happened with Jesus's sacrifice on the cross. He bore the punishment for our sins. In Hebrews chapter nine, and even Peter shared it in Um, Hebrews, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. You hear that scripture all the time, but did you actually know how powerful that scripture is? We quote it around Easter. It's probably on my Instagram by now, but did we know that this, this was actually a fulfillment, this scripture, Jesus doing it is a fulfillment, a prophecy. Come on, y'all. When we talk about the detail, we mean to the detail. He fulfilled it to the detail. There was even prophecy about how he would die. In Old Testament Deuteronomy Deuteronomy 21 verse 23, it says, Any person who is hanged on a tree is described as being cursed. And in the New Testament, Jesus fulfilled this passage since Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged by a tree. All people are under a curse because of man's failure to obey the law. Both of those are found in Galatians. Him being hung on a cross is also fulfilling prophecy. Details matter, friends. This is important stuff. Number six, a few more. Jerusalem will rejoice as the Messiah comes to her upon a donkey. We see in Zechariah 9.9. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shoot, shout, excuse me, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, but lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. We see it again. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that, and that's a whole prophecy, that's a whole prophecy too, that they use palm branches, sorry, palm branches. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. 
David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Kings rode on horses back then. You see it in movies, right? The kings during war, horses were a symbol of authority and even war. And they rode because they were strong men. Our Jesus is the strongest and yet he rode on a donkey. A humble servant riding in on a donkey to save the world. Number seven, although it might seem as if it was merely a coincidence that Jesus died during Passover week, which is a huge Jewish celebration, this timing is crucial to fulfilling some of the Old Testament prophecies. In the Old Testament, when we read a few months ago about how God sent the last plague, we talked about plagues on the Egyptians, the death of the firstborn, he commanded the Israelites to sacrifice the Passover lamb and smear its blood over their doorways. We see that in Exodus 12, chapter 12, verses 12 to 13. The whole story is there though. But in this way, the destroyer would pass over the houses of the Israelites, sparing them from death. So they had to paint precious, innocent blood of a lamb and smear it over their doorways in order so the spirit, the thing, the destroyer would not kill their children, their firstborn. We, praise Jesus, do not have to sacrifice a lamb or smear blood on our doors because Jesus is the fulfillment of the lamb. He is the lamb. In 1 Peter 1, 19, it says that, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. There are so many more prophecies fulfilled with this, like when Jesus' bones weren't broken, despite being hung on a cross, just like a lamb's bones isn't broken. Jesus was silent on the cross, just like Isaiah said he would be. And a sheep is silent before shears. There's so many correlations, friends. I definitely encourage you to dig into this one more because there's so many. But since Jesus died on the week of Passover and held the characteristics of the lamb, the sacrifice lamb, he fulfilled the prophecies relating to the Passover lamb. Jesus' death is another good example to me of how God uses things meant to evil for our good. In the Old Testament, we see that uh, he also excuse me, prophesied about the means of Jesus' death, being pierced and hanged on wood. In 23, it says, you must not leave the body hanging on the pole overnight. Be sure to bury it that same day because anyone who is hung on a pole is under God's curse. Deuteronomy specifically states that anyone hanged on a tree was cursed. Jesus was hung on a wooden cross, which is a tree. Within multiple packages, passages which foresaw Christ's death, it is described that Jesus would have his hands and feet pierced. Isaiah also prophesied that Jesus would be pierced for our transgressions. You can find that in chapter 53, verse 6. Zechariah 12, verse 10, a prophecy that has been fulfilled by Christ because he was pierced in the side. It's the detail, friends. Details matter. Two more. Jesus' last words. Do you remember that? It is finished. When he yells out, it is finished, he was referring to his redemptive work on the cross, and also the completion of Old Testament prophecies. John 19.30, when he received this drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Uh, little side note, I have seen several Instagram videos lately talking about Jesus' death, 
and talking about how he basically making it sound like they killed him. They did kill him. However, he surrendered his spirit. God, Jesus, died willingly for you. He could have hopped up off the cross, but that was not part of the plan. He surrendered. He gave up his spirit. That's important to know, friends, that he wasn't forced to do this. He did it for you and he chose it. His atoning sacrifice and the situation surrounding the crucifixion, all the means of his death and his last words are all major Old Testament prophecies that are fulfilled now. Jesus is truly the promised Messiah of the Old Testament. It's so cool. The Messiah, we know, he didn't stay dead, right? Nope. In Psalm 1610, for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. In Psalm 4915, it says, but God will ransom my soul from the power of Sheol for he will receive me, Selah. Sheol is a Hebrew word, refers to the grave or the abode of the dead. And through much of the Old Testament period, it was believed that Everyone who died, animal, people, everyone went to one place and that no one could avoid the shul. The New Testament, praise Jesus, let's get it. I love when we talk about like, oh, you're all dying and going to Seoul and then just kidding. New Testament says, men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. As you yourselves know, This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, losing the pangs of death. Listen in. Because it was not possible for him to be held by it. You hear that? God raised up Jesus from the pangs of death because death could not hold him. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also dwelled in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried And his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up and that of that we are all witnesses. Acts chapter 2 verses 22 all the way to 33. Death has lost its sting. Death has lost its grip. There is no power in Sheol or death for those who believe. This was a lot of scripture, friends, a lot of knowledge. But friends, this is all such good news, such hope, promising hope for today and promising hope for what's to come. I want you, I really do want you to dig into these and just read them for yourself and and try to laser in on your focus and just see God is so good. He cares about the details. 
He cares about fulfillment and prophecy. He cares about his word and doing what he said he would do. And that's true for him with you. He cares about the details of your life, the details of your heart. If he's given us a promise, he is true and holy and he will fulfill it. So even if it looks crazy or desolate or lonely right now, even death has lost its sting. It has no power over you. Earlier this week, we talked about what to do when the world is crazy and how to focus and be eternally minded. This is why we win. We are victorious because of of Christ sacrificing himself on the cross. We get to live life this way. We get to live life from an abundance, not a cowardness, not a fearfulness, not an overwhelmedness from an abundance. We get to walk every single day of our life knowing this truth, hopefully telling others, but walking in the hope and light and love that is Jesus Christ because he did it for you. He did it for me. He did it for every single person. We're going to leave you with Revelation chapter 1 verse 18. It says, I am the living one. I was dead and now look, I am alive forever and ever. Listen up. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Bro, we ain't got nothing to fear. He literally has hell in his grip. We need to remember that as we walk out and finish out the rest of this week. I want you to super, super promise me that you will A, spend time reading these scriptures and then B, take time this week. I know Easter comes with a lot of like traditions and things to do, but grab your loved ones and read the stories. Go through the resurrection, the death, the Holy Week, all of it. And then spend some time doing nothing, sitting in his presence. Let his love overwhelm you, overcome you. I love you, friends. I hope you have an incredible week and you remember all of this and how victorious we are in Jesus Christ. Until next time. Friend, I hope you were blessed by this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Before you go, quick things. One, can you follow us on social? I would love to get social with you. Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube all have the username Abundant Woman Co. Come say hi. Also, we have a free Facebook community that has women just like you building community, going after Jesus, and just making connections. Come join us there. I can't wait to meet you. And last, I would love if you could screenshot this episode and share it on your socials for a chance to be featured. Until next time.